If you enjoyed this podcast, please like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram at If Vines Could Talk. We believe Michigan makes great wine. It's an up-and-coming region, already producing world-class award-winning wines. Our mission is to enhance the prestige of Michigan wine and help the world learn more about all we have to offer. Welcome to podcast number 18. My guest today is Amy Burke. Amy is the operations director and co-winemaker at Domain Berrien Cellars, arguably one of the best fine wine producers in the Baroda area. Amy and her partner Jake are purchasing Domain Berrien from longtime veterans Wally and Katie Maurer. Amy is another prime example of how young, up-and-coming winemakers are making a huge difference in the Michigan wine scene. Pop open a bottle of Michigan wine and follow along. Having been involved off and on for more than 50 years in the southwestern Michigan wine scene, I have had the pleasure of knowing most of the veterans in the industry. It's great to see an upcoming younger generation of winemakers make a real difference in the quality of wines we produce here in southwest Michigan. Today I am interviewing Amy Burke. Amy is the winemaker at Domain Berrien Cellars in Berrien Springs, Michigan. A recent newcomer to the business, Amy has lived in the area most of her life and is now in the process of purchasing Domain Berrien. Welcome to the show, Amy. Appreciate you taking time to be on the podcast today. No problem. Thank you for having me, Steve. I'm excited to sit down and talk about this because you got my favorite topic in the world, which is Michigan wine. So, Well, there we go. So we have something in common. Maybe start by just introducing yourself and telling us a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so um, I'm Amy Burke. I am the operations manager and one of the winemakers at Domain Berrien Cellars in Berrien Springs, Michigan. A um, bit about my background, I am local to the Southwest Mich Michigan region. I grew up in um, South St. Joe, so just outside of St. Joe, and actually a farm that my parents had. Um, I continued here, I lived here, um, ended up going to college in Milwaukee, Wisconsin at Marquette University, where I studied organic chemistry. Um, while I was in college, I had a little bit of an existential crisis about what I was going to do with my life, and rather than going into pharmaceuticals or research, I decided to go into winemaking. Um, I grew up in southwest Michigan. I was always exposed to the wineries in southwest Michigan. In fact, one of my neighbors growing up is um, Mike Merchant, the former winemaker at Tabor Hill, so he had a big influence on me getting introduced to the um, industry. When I started, I um, got started working at Domain Berrien right off the bat. I was originally just in the tasting room, but um, Wally, looking at my resume and knowing my background, kind of figured that I wanted to learn more about wine. So I started working for um, Domain. At the same time, I took classes at Lake Michigan College's Wine and Viticulture Technology Program, which I am a graduate of. I was actually the first student to sign up for classes at all. Um, and at the same time while working full-time for Wally, so I kind of got a double education, as I like to say. I continued to work for Wally until 2019, where I then went and actually worked for Lake Michigan College as their enologist and an instructor for their programs. 
and have recently returned in 2022 to Domain Barian to kind of take over the operations from Wally and Katie as they plan to retire. That's quite a, <laughs> quite a background. Let's go back to Marquette University mm-hmm. for a moment. I'm curious, what was the moment or what made you think wine instead of potentially <laughs> other... Oh, gosh. So that moment was, it was my senior year. I had actually already been accepted to a couple graduate programs, master's and one PhD program. And I was kind of hashing out my options with my undergraduate advisor, Dr. Chu Tran. Fantastic man, Dr. Tran. And we're sitting down and I'm like, I could not decide on a program. And he just looked me straight in the eyes and said, Amy, you will hate academia. Don't do it to yourself. He's like, there's a million different ways you can go about doing chemistry and doing stuff you like to do, but you will hate academia. It will rip your soul out. And after that, I was like, you know what? You're probably right. Um, I always thought of myself as a little bit more creative than just a scientist, not just doing rote by um, numbers in the lab. And there was a little wine bar in Milwaukee called Vin 100 that I used to go and hang out at. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start learning more about wine from them. So I started hanging out there more and more my senior year after I realized I wasn't going to grad school. And then conveniently, right as I was graduating college, um, the program at Lake Michigan College was starting. It was its first year, and I was like, it's a perfect segue into what I was looking into doing. That's cool. Yeah. And the program at Lake Michigan College, maybe tell our listeners a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's a really neat program. So you kind of have two different tracks. It's a two-year associates program if you're coming in without a previous degree. Um, Myself, actually, so I already had a bachelor's degree in chemistry, like I mentioned. So when you go in with one degree, you can actually get through the entire program in a year and a half. It is a very hands-on, intense program. They have a full commercial winery. So you're learning how to make wine, not just in the five-gallon carboy scale, but all the way up to the several hundred-gallon scales and true commercial styling. Um, so it's very involved with hands-on education. There are um, sit-and-chalk-and-talk lectures, but where you absorb most of the information is in the co-op where you're physically working in the winery as well as physically working in the vineyards, too. So um, you start off fall semester, you're thrown straight into harvest, which I think is the best way to learn, trial by fire. Um, And then you continue, you see the wines to their end, and then come, it's a year-round program, so come to the summer semester, you start tending the vineyards at um, Michigan State Southwest Michigan Research Extension, also known as SwimRec, and you learn um, techniques in pruning and vine management and vine balance and how much um, vineyard practices actually contribute contribute to the quality of the wine. So it's a very hands-on learn as you go type of program, which I think is the only way you can do wine. You can't learn how to make wine from a textbook. <laughs> no, not at all. Because it is, I mean, your science background definitely oh, 100% helps. Helps, uh, But there's a, a lot of art to this work as well. Yes. I, I always say winemaking is the perfect marriage of art and science because you're never going to be able to make good wine if you don't understand at least the basics of science or know the rules and in order to know the rules, you have to, in order to break the rules, you need to know them. And the best wines are made by breaking the rules by people who already knew what they were doing beforehand and can kind of shuttle things the correct way. Right. So you need that creativity, but you also need the scientific background to make sure you're not pushing it too extreme. Right, exactly. And so back to your textbook yeah. comment, right? You can learn a lot of the science. Oh, yeah from a textbook. 100%. But the art part? No. No. That's where you need that lab mm-hmm. 
that LMC offers yeah. through the program. Yeah, and the greatest thing about the program, like I said, with it being hands-on, you're getting a chance to get these wines in front of students who may not have had experience with it. There is a fantastic program, a class within the program called Wines of the World, and it is a full tasting program with different um, regions being highlighted and the wines of those um, regions being highlighted. So you're drinking wine, but you're also learning. And being exposed and um, learning more about these regions really helps expand your palate and your knowledge. Um, people always ask me, how do you become good at making wine? How do you become good at understanding wine? You drink a lot and be constantly trying new things. Don't I don't it, I liked the program because it encouraged people to step outside of their normal comfort zone of what they think wine should be and kind of explore what everything else is going on. So you're in the process of purchasing Domain Barian. Yes, I am in the process of um, purchasing Domain Barian from Wally and Katie Maurer. Um, Wally and Katie always joke that they're my bonus parents because they really had a lot to do with how I came up in the industry. Um, they're industry veterans. They um, started Domain Barian originally in 2001, was their first commercial vintage. And they have really been mainstays in Southwest Michigan, and I just feel honored that they were willing to trust me with their baby and to carry their baby, Domain Barian, on into the future. Well, you are acquiring quite a reputation. Oh, yes, I know. Right. <laughs> I Yes, I worked for Wally long enough. That I, the reputation's there, and I can only hope I can live up to it. Well, I'm sure you will. I have no doubt. <laughs> But this is, you know, yeah. you're a you're a young up and coming winemaker. Yep. This is a massive decision. Yeah. How on earth did you make this decision? So um, I was approached by Wally um, in 2021 about this, and he mentioned that him and Katie were looking to retire. And I always offhandedly joked whenever they wanted to sell the winery, talk to me first. And they did. They, they, so they did. They, they did. They did. Reason. And I sat down and I talked to this with my mom. Um, intense a lot. My mom's an accountant, so she's really good at weighing costs and benefits and all of that stuff. And we came to the conclusion that I'm never going to have an opportunity like this again. Um, there is a saying in the wine industry, if you um, want to start a million-dollar winery, have two. You need a lot of capital to get started from the ground up. And Wally and Katie were offering me an opportunity to enter without maybe all that capital immediately and kind of grow and build my sweat equity into the business from there, basically. And um, it was something I could not pass up. You don't, you don't give up the dream of a lifetime. And it really was. It's been a dream of mine to have my own winery and my own space. Well, and you're, like I said, you're picking up a winery that has quite a reputation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a, and a good one. Yes. Quite a good reputation. And it's, I always appreciate a challenge. I know, um, I know I'm not Wally. And I think that's kind of what's going to be um, interesting to see because I learned a lot. I learned most of my winemaking knowledge from Wally. Him and Michael Moyer at Lake Michigan College, those are my two big influences. So I heard for years every day every ounce of passion and thought process and decision making behind why Wally does what he does and how he did it at Domain. So I can only hope I can take what I've learned from him and grow it even more from there. Right. Well, you made an important <laughs> comment. You said, I am not Wally. Nope. That's good in many ways. Yeah. Right? Change because is good. Change is good. You can bring some new, refreshing ideas. Mm -hmm. Not that he didn't have them because he had plenty. <laughs> oh, yes. Right? He's still texting me them. Yes, so. <laughs> I'm sure he is. And he's trained a lot of the other winemakers mm -hmm. in Southwest Michigan. So 
so you have you have some big shoes to fill there. Mm-hmm. But you will fill them in your own way. Yes, definitely. <laughs> I'm very confident of that. Well, good luck with Domain Burying. Thank you. And we'll come back to that in a moment. I wanted to ask you a couple of questions related, of course, mm-hmm. to all of this. One of those is, in your opinion, what sets apart the Lake Michigan Shore ABA? From the nation as a whole or Michigan as a whole or just in general? From the world. Okay. (laughs) That is a loaded question. I love it. Um, The big unique thing, we always, they always say water to the west is where you want to make wine. It makes it um, the big impact of the lake and the protection of the climactic um, impact of the lake really helps protect us as a region. People bang on about the lake a lot. I want to bang on about the geography and topography of this area. Um, It's a glacier-carved area. We have so many interesting soil types and um, crevices and ravines and these gorgeous, giant, big boulders that are just dropped in the middle of our vineyards, which create really interesting rooting um, structures and minerality notes in the wines and the grapes and how they grow themselves. And every little inch and every little chunk of land that the glacier took out when it receded left a beautiful hill for us to grow grapes on. And it is not about total elevation, it's about relative elevation. And there's something, as someone who rides bikes around southwest Michigan, there's a lot of relative elevation change. And there are some hills that will burn your thighs, and those are exactly what we need. Um, On our, the soils especially, on my vineyard alone, we have five different soil types. And you can tell the growing habits of different of the same varietal planted among those um, soil types. You can taste it in the grapes. You can see it in the growth of the vine. And you don't get that variability without that glacial till and without that glacial deposit and the big carving of the lake. And that's something I think people kind of lose sight of in southwest Michigan. They're like, yes, the lake is great. But you got to think what created the lake is what created us and is even more amazing. One of the things that I've discovered in my studies is that, you know, let's look at California Mm -hmm. or even Oregon for that matter. A lot of those hills were created by volcanic activity, Mm -hmm. which is very different than what created the hills around here. Yep. Right. So as a result, we tend to have soils that have more minerality. Yep. Which... For me, personally, I prefer wines that have a little bit more minerality mm-hmm. to them. So I think this is another oh, yeah. feature that we have that really, I think, sets us Um So I, I thought it was interesting what you were saying about California, because I always think of Michigan and California like fire and ice. California being um, formed by volcanic activity, Michigan being formed by the recession of a giant iceberg. And you can see the differences in the topography, the ground, and then the wines that come from those regions because of it. It's... And like you said, the minerality, those water-carved um, regions tend to have a lot of highlighted minerality. Um, I'm just going to go Mosul Valley, Germany, carved by a river, gorgeous minerality in those wines. And that is something I think more delicate you lose when you don't have that big complexity in soils like we do here. And let's go broader. Mm-hmm. Is there a particular region in Italy that you might compare or contrast with us? I think an interesting one to look at would be the Piedmont, so the more northern regions of Italy. You are running into, um, yes, slightly longer growing seasons, but they still experience pretty intense winters. Um, They are a semi-volcanic, semi-water-formed region because they have a lot of glacial recession due to the Alps and the um, cooling influence as it comes in from there. 
Um, the wines, though, could not be more different once you get into varietals chosen. So when you're like looking at those big Barolos stuff that's coming out of that northern region, they're going to have higher tannin development, and that's simply a factor of a longer growing season than what we have advantages here in Michigan. Um, whites, on the other hand, or more delicate reds, like I'm a big proponent, Michigan should be growing Barbera. I think we should be. I think it's one of those varietals that would do fantastic here. That is where I think we could probably take some cues from Italy in the Piedmont. Um, they tend to push a little bit more minerality, a lot more um, delicate, more medium-bodied, food-friendly, which is something people need to realize. Wine needs to be friendly with food because that's the best time to drink it, at least in my opinion. <laughs> You're growing a number of Bordeaux varieties yep. on your property. How about a comparison between... The soils of Bordeaux and here. So when you compare us with um, the Bordeaux varietals, so we grow um, Cabernet Franc, Cabernet Sauvignon, Merlot, Petit Bordeaux, and Malbec. Um, those last two are very, very small quantities just for blending in our Bordeaux-style blend, but the other three we have pretty substantial plantings. Um, when you're comparing wines and um, soils from Bordeaux to um, Michigan, it's another water-carved region, Bordeaux. The river is really what defines it. People talk left bank, right bank constantly. So you can see a lot of carryover in that. Um, we don't have as many reverse osmosis machines as Bordeaux. <laughs> so we don't have that trick up our sleeves, but we do have the ability to ripen a lot of those Bordeaux varieties very similarly. Um, Merlot still comes out with a nice base of acid, like a nice Bordeaux, like a nice Merlot out of Bordeaux would, and that acid base is what makes it food friendly, but it still keeps a lot of that fruitiness and brightness. Um, Cabernet Sauvignon will probably ripen a little bit on the lighter side, in my opinion, versus Bordeaux, which is fine because it still maintains a nice um, food friendly quality and produces very good tannin structure here. But I think the star out of the Bordeaux grapes from Michigan is the one that gets the most forgotten in Bordeaux, Cabernet Franc, which I know is a personal favorite of yours, Steve. It is, it is no surprise <laughs> it that is. I am a big Cabernet Franc. Yes, and Cabernet Franc is, I think, where we could um, take a lot of cues from them and use it a lot in our own viticulture because it ripens well here. It grows well here. It overwinters extremely well. It doesn't have early spring frost risk. It's kind of the Goldilocks grape for the region. And I believe we make comparable wines easily to French um, Cabernet Francs as we do in Michigan. It's You can put them in blind tastings next to each other, and I'd say good luck picking them out. Well, and I know I tend to be a little bit biased, but I, I have... It's okay, put, me too. <laughs> I have put a Michigan Cab Franc next to a Chenin, mm. and I, I can't tell the difference yep. for a similarly priced bottle. Yep. Uh, we are doing some fascinating things. And Fantastic I think, things. Yes. And I think the good news for the industry worldwide is that Cobb Hunk is getting more and more attention yep. out there. More people are writing about it. More people are drinking it as a standalone varietal. So kudos to Michigan for growing more. Mm -hmm. And being in front of the trend. Exactly. Oh, yep. Exactly. Okay, so let's wrap up our world tour <laughs> by covering one more region, and that would be the Rhone. Yes, the, no the Rhone region of France, a special region in the heart of everyone at Domaine Barian. Um, so I got a little backstory on Domaine's infatuation with Rome, uh, with the Rhone region, I should say. Um, Thomas and Abigail, who are um, Katie's parents, 
were the ones who actually originally purchased the land that Domain Baryon and Domain Baryon Cellars stands on to this day. Um, they were very big fans of French wine, and Tom, in his time traveling throughout France, and particularly the Northern Rhone, noticed a lot of climactic similarities between the Northern Rhone and Southwest Michigan. So he got the harebrained idea of, well, why aren't we growing these varietals? Why aren't we growing Marsan? Why aren't we growing Roussan? Why aren't we growing Viognier and Syrah? These varietals that do extremely well in um, the Northern Rhone can definitely thrive here. So he was the first person to bring all four of those varietals, Marsan, Roussan, Viognier, and Syrah, to Southwest Michigan. We are, in fact, the first um, winery and vineyard in the state to plant any of those four varietals. We are also part of an association called the Rhone Rangers, which is a growers association that really highlights bringing the Rhone varietals to a region. We are the only member in Michigan and one of two, the site of the Rockies. So it's a very West Coast organization, but that's been opened up a lot of interesting doors for us actually as a winery, because being part of this association, we get invited to panels with people who are making Syrah in Oregon, in Washington, in California, and then you're like, oh yes, now you get to taste one from Michigan right next to it. So yeah. it's an interesting um, region. It, like I said, it's very similar climactically. It's very similar when you're looking at um, growing degree days and soil types. It tends to have a lot of sandy loam as well, pushes more minerality and is a little bit um, kinder. Southern Rhone is gonna be a bit hotter, but the Northern Rhone is where we can, we pulled a lot of our inspirations from in the vineyard and the winery. <laughs> well, excellent. Well, you certainly know a lot about these different wine regions and the climate and the soils. Um, mm -hmm. we, could, we could spend a whole hour talking about that. Oh, get me started on Slovenia and Croatia and it gets even more. <laughs> Maybe we'll do another episode. That'd be fun. That would be fun. Let's go back to the winery for a moment. Yeah. What is your favorite domain bearing wine? Ooh, okay. Who's you my favorite? So Who good is ones. my favorite child? So um, that's a tricky one. We grow 21 different varieties at Domain, and we're 100% estate, so everything is um, produced by grapes on the farm. Out of this current vintages, I'm going to have to pick a couple. I'm a very big fan of the 2022 Dry Riesling. Um, it's our first um, widely available dry Riesling that we've done at Domain ever. And that was a personal project of mine because I'm a very big fan of that grape. I'm also quite a big fan of our Viognier. Viognier is a beautiful grape that we do well. The 2021 is great. The 2022 that's coming out soon is also fantastic. And that's one of those like mainstay Rhone varietals. Um, special shout out also to our Oak to Marsan. That's really nice. But out of the, those are my two favorite whites. Um, the reds, I'm a massive fan of our Cabernet Franc. I'm also a big fan of our Lemberger. Um, Lemberger, also known as Blau Frankish. And then one I think everyone needs to try is our Syrah. It is hands down one of the most interesting wines I think we have on our menu. But that's, those are my personal favorites. That's interesting. So you mentioned they're all estate grown. Correct. How many acres? Uh, we have approximately um, 36 acres planted of wine grapes. We have another um, four acres of um, Niagara's for Welch's on the back plot. Oh, wow. But um, we're looking to expand more and plant even more acreage. We have some fields, why not? Yeah, take advantage of that soil. Did you know that Michigan is the number one producer of Niagara grapes? Yeah, it's crazy to is think about. crazy? Earlier you mentioned that you also 
helped manage the tasting room. Yep, that's correct. Uh, amongst all the hats <laughs> that you wear. Yes, we're a small operation. There is it's myself and then my business partner Jake Nivison, who is um, the vineyard manager as well as comes and does wine is one of the winemakers as well. So during the summer months, I manage the tasting room. I plan events. I help with day to day operations. Um, as well as doing the bookkeeping. And then um, come fall, I escape down into the cellar. I'll still manage from afar, but by then most my staff is very good. They don't need me. It's just an extra hand. <laughs> well, that's good. So you're doing a great job leading. leading. What can guests expect when they visit Domain Berry? We are a very easygoing, low-key winery. We, are, we do not accept buses. So do not expect large amounts of screaming bachelorettes. That is not the vibe that we are going for. Um, we are very proud that all of our tastings are guided tastings. So you can come in, you can try any of our five wines, and we will have a trained tasting consultant walk you through each one of the wines. What we get from them, they can answer any questions about production, and if it's something they don't know, myself or Jake are available. So we really want people to learn and appreciate and understand and enjoy these wines. That is the point of a wine tasting, is to educate the consumer. Um, if you've tasted with us before and you know what you like, we also have a gorgeous patio and backyard area that you can sit, have a picnic. Um, we allow outside food. We're dog friendly. We're kid friendly. So there's a lot of people who just come out for an afternoon, grab a couple bottles, have a picnic, and relax. So we really are going for more of that escaped, relaxed atmosphere, as well as a good chunk of wine education on top of it. Right. Well, and that's one thing I appreciate. I think uh, a good tasting room offers education yes. for the people that are visiting there. So I appreciate that. Yes. And I love your spot. Thank I think you. it's quiet. It's unassuming. And uh, it's just a great spot. We're a bunch of farmers who love to make wine. So. There you go. That's a nice way to put it. Tell our listeners a little bit about distribution. Besides buying wine at the winery, yeah. where else can so people find Domain we, Berry? We are available um, throughout um, western Michigan as well as um, eastern Michigan as well. So we are in several bottle shops up in um, Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo, which is very nice. Um, we are in Martins. We are actually also in Meyer up in the Grand Rapids area. If you are on the east side of Michigan, we are in a um, chain of tasting rooms called Michigan by the Bottle, which is a really cool little project done by Shannon and Courtney. Um, they're a married couple, and they brought together um, a bunch of wineries throughout Michigan, and they act as our tasting room in the um, east side of the state, and they carry all of our wines. So if you're near the Detroit area, um, we're in Shelby Township and in Royal Oak at those locations. And then if you are on central or west side of Michigan, several bottle shops and um, big stores like Harding's, Meyer, and Martin's will have us on the western side of Michigan. How about outside of Michigan? I actually do not have um, distribution outside of Michigan at the moment. That's something I'm working on expanding. We did have distribution in Illinois for a while, but um, due to supply issues during the polar vortex, two back-to-back -back years, that fell through. So I'm working on expanding that, but I can ship to Illinois. So I um, Domain Barian can ship to throughout Michigan, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, Florida, and Alabama, and Washington, D.C. Okay. So you do, you do have the shipping. Yes, I. Yep. For some folks. Yep, I can ship to you, and you can just call the winery anytime, and I can put that together. For our listeners, if they want to engage with you, obviously they can go to your website, yep. www.domainbarian.com. Correct. 
Are there other ways that folks can engage? Yeah. Um, so Facebook, um, Domain Variant Sellers, and Instagram, at Domain Variant Sellers. I run those accounts, so you get to talk directly to me if you send in any questions or you need any information. That's a really good direct line to me as well. Um, so you can just message me and message me there and get anything. <laughs> Excellent. Well, that's good to know. So yeah. you, don't have a, you don't have a layer of marketing support. I am the marketing. Exactly. Well, that's good. Well, you know, when you're a small operation, you can wear multiple hats Mm -hmm. more successfully. Mm -hmm. What lies ahead for domain barrier? Oh, what lies ahead? Well, currently we are actually um, replanting. We removed some older vines and are replanting. Um, we're increasing our acreage on Viognier and Roussan. We'd like to expand into that. Um, Jake and I are also looking at some different varietals. Add a 22nd varietal to the list on the farm that um, I'm not going to spoil what we're looking at yet. Oh, but, darn. I thought you were going to let, um, let possi- the secret out. Possibly Barbera, possibly the Alvin clone of Grenache. We're figuring it out right now. So thanks for the sneak peek. Oh, yeah. So we just hope to keep making great wines um, and continue to grow. Um, I hope in the next five years that I'm able to expand my um, range well outside of Michigan. I'd love to get into the Illinois market more. Um, And I just want to continue to see everything with Domain to grow and expand and become even better. It's big. I know I got big shoes to fill, but I've got pretty big feet. Well, I know you're going to do a great job. Thank you. I'm excited. Well, thanks again for taking time to be on the podcast today. Of course. It was fantastic. Thank you so much for having me. Good luck. (laughs) Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to the podcast if Vines could talk on your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram. If Vines Could Talk comes to you from Vineyard View Recording Company in Baroda, Michigan. Produced, edited, and hosted by Steve Salisbury. Narration by Sarah Spoonholtz. Copyright 2023.